Hello and welcome to Decades of Design. I'm Jordan Rich and I'm with Rosanna Ansaldi, designer, pattern maker, leather specialist, business owner, and entrepreneur. I invite you to join me in my studio as I weave through each decade of my career, sharing the stories and all the unique details that have made it mine. I hope you find it as interesting and informative as it has been for me. It's our maiden voyage, you and me, and I can't wait to talk to you. There's so many interesting things about you and your life. What, what do you hope people gain from listening to this exciting adventure? So I hope people gain a little bit of insight on my background. Um, I'm a private person, so I don't really talk about myself too much. And I've gone through a lot of experiences in my career, and I'd like to share that with people. You've gone through a lot, but you also have some amazing stories. Uh, celebrities alone, we can spend days talking about <laughs> the people, the movers and shakers, but you talk a lot about your parents and grandparents. Talk a little bit about your, your family background and why that's so important in framing you. So I come from a, a Sicilian background. Mm -hmm. My great-grandparents, my grandparents immigrated here from Sicily, and they came here um, for a better life, like most people in those days. That would be when? In the 20s? Yes. Something like that? Yeah. Right, when immigration was flourishing at that point? I'm first generation, but I am a dual citizen of Italy. So. Oh, we'll have to talk about that, my yeah. favorite spot outside of America. So what did your grand folks do? So my grandparents came here, and they worked in the clothing mills in Lawrence. They settled in Lawrence, and uh, they made a life there, and they provided for their families by sewing in those factories. You come from a long line of sewers, don't you? I do, Indeed. yes. Let's talk now about your mom and dad. These are big influences on you and what you've done with your life. Yes, my mom and dad were always supportive of me for whatever I did. My dad especially was always an entrepreneur-minded person. Um, he did work in shoe factories, and then from there he opened his own business as an upholsterer. So he had an upholstery business, and he became very meticulous about sewing himself. So It's an art form, and the way you learned it at the knee of your nana, right, embroidery yes. and things, the way you learned it was so beautiful, the way it was passed down to you from those who never went to college or anything for this. They learned it because it was passed down to them. Right. Even my great-grandmother, mm -hmm. who she used to make uniforms in, uh, for the nurses in Mass General way back. You remember the first time you... Uh, picked up a sewing needle when you were just a little girl? Was it your I nana? Do. It was my nana. She showed me how to embroider. And she also showed me how to crochet and knit, but I never took to those crafts. So uh, if you did that, you wouldn't have time to do anything else, probably. <laughs> so you said your grandfather and your father actually meticulous. What does that mean when it comes to the craft, first of all? So when they do something, they were very precise, and it had to be perfect. So um, it was not sloppy work at all. It never mm -hmm. was, and that would be unacceptable. Pride in the work. They had a lot of pride in their work. I picked up those aspects. Now, there's also the story of the sewing machine. Let's talk about that. I mean, that's the key piece of equipment and machinery that one would need to get started. Yes. Tell me about the sewing machine you had. So, as I mentioned, my dad was had his own upholstery business, and um, he had suffered from a heart attack and went into the hospital, and when he came out, he wasn't able to continue his business anymore. Um, at that time, I was just graduating from design school, and I was starting out on my own, and I inherited his equipment, including his sewing machine, his pride sewing machine. That is 
Very, very cool because I'm imagining this is a glorious piece of equipment that is well-functioning then and now. If it, you still have it? I still have it. It's, it's in my studio proudly. I use it. It's my main machine that I use all the time, and I wouldn't pot with it for anything. It yeah. just reminds me of him when not, I sit Not for it. nothing, but they built things to last in those days. They did. They did. The, the newer ones are all electronic, and you know they do fabulous things, but I wouldn't trade mine for anything. You have siblings, by the way? I do. I have two sisters and a brother. Okay. Were you the one that your dad thought would be the lady to carry on the tradition, or did your other siblings get involved? My other siblings did other things uh, that my dad taught them. My older sister got into gardening, and she's a fabulous gardener and president of the Rose Society for many years Ah. in New England. And yeah. And my brother was more um, of the business aspect. My youngest sister is in real estate now. She has her own real estate business, and she's an entrepreneur herself. You're in design school. Where was that, by the way? So I went to Chamberlain Junior College for design, and that's in Boston. At the time, they were on Newberry Street. We're doing this podcast. It's emanating from Boston, so I remember that very well. I want to take you back before you get to college to high school and whether or not you were active in what we used to call home economics. Do you remember that? I do, yes. (laughs) Were you the superstar because you had all this great background? Funny thing, because I did uh, start sewing in grammar school. At that time, they used to show you how to sew by hand and, you know, Mm -hmm. make all these cool things by hand. And then when we got to high school, they had started to do away with those programs and they didn't have sewing anymore. They had cooking. um, So I ended up doing cooking, which I gained skills in, in that department. But I kind of did not do any sewing in high school. Did they miss out on some (laughs) outstanding work at that point? Because then you decided to go to design school, and then uh, the rest is, as we say, history. And I know you love the stuff. You you love the design world, don't you? Yes, thank you. I, I do love the design world and everything about it. So after graduating, what does one do with that degree, and where do you go at that point? Well, while I was in school, or prior to being at school, the reason I wanted to go for fashion design was because I liked um, the stage wear stuff. I liked going to concerts and watching all the nice costumes on stage and, you know, thinking that would be something cool to do. So that's when I decided to go to the design school. And during design school, I focused on leather, leather apparel, and that was my forte. But I have to ask you, uh, I've been to concerts like everybody else. I never, ever think about what they're wearing. I just assume, well, they're rock and roll stars or hip-hop actors. That's their thing, and they just have some clothing store they pick it all up at. No, these are the high-end people, right? They have actual designers working for them. They do. Now it's more stylists, I guess. I follow mm-hmm. Harry Styles, who's always wearing something different on stage. He's got the right name, Mr. Styles. <laughs> Mr. Styles, yes, Super he Scraper. definitely does. But he runs the gamut. I mean, he just wears so many different things, and it's it's really fun to watch him. So you're captivated at a young age by the performances and actor, not just actors, singers, performers, rock and roll, hip-hop, etc. And all the glamour. Let's just talk about one more thing in this opening episode in terms of your career. And I laughed out loud when I read about this. Boston Ballet. Everyone knows about ballet, Swan Lake, you know, the Nutcracker. And I'm thinking, oh, that's so prestigious and so lovely to even work in costumes. But I laughed because I read your reaction. What was your reaction? Yeah, I thought the same thing when I graduated from college. I had the opportunity to work at the Boston Ballet, and I jumped on it because I thought it would be so spectacular to work with those costumes and 
I did end up working there, and the daily routine was basically taking old smelly costumes out of storage and repairing them and steaming them and refitting them for the new performers. So it wasn't so glamorous. The fabrics they use were cheap and not cheap, but they weren't quality fabrics. You know, they look glamorous on stage. You think you're looking at velvet and it's corduroy, but... Well, it's like movie sets or TV sets. You know, when you get up close, you see, oh, it's just plastic or cardboard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the thing I laughed at was the smelly part. Yes, they were smelly because you do sweat when you're up there Absolutely. <laughs> Standing on your toes all that time. Exactly. It's not easy. I so how long were you there at the Boston Ballet before you had enough of the smell? I think I was there six months. Let's just take it up to post-ballet uh, on this opening episode. What was the next step for you? The next step was um, I had been at a concert in Boston, Aerosmith, and had gone backstage, and I got to meet their costume designer. Her name was Francine Larnez. Mm-hmm. She's very talented. She's the one who came up with all those designs for Steven Tyler with the scarves and the whole look. She created his look. How did you get backstage? What did you do to do that? So we had some friends that knew somebody that was working um, for the band. Doesn't matter. In the sound industry or something. Right. But some friends and... They invited us back there. Excellent. You took advantage of that. and had... Yeah, but my whole career has been like that. It's serendipity, so things just happen like that. It's well, not something that's planned. I didn't plan on going backstage that night. but I believe, I Rosanna, that when listeners catch this podcast series, they're going to understand the power of serendipity in someone's life like yours. You're not uh, pushy and offensive and all that. You're just sweet and l- inviting and curious, I guess, right? <laughs> well, thank you. I hope so. I keep buttering you up. And I don't need to because you're my friend already. But uh, we're, <laughs> we're going to launch then into what we call the decade of the 80s. And, and it is fascinating. I can't believe it's that many years ago. Uh, and I'm a whole lot older than you are. But I'm so excited to, uh, to join with you and have you share your stories. Thank you. Happy to be here and share my stories. Thank you for listening to Decades of Design, a snapshot of my career journey. Find out more design details by reaching out to me on LinkedIn or view products from my retail store at andovercollection.com. Please subscribe and download and tell your friends. Reviews and ratings are greatly appreciated. Remember, stay creative and design a great life.